All right, so should we head to World Cinema Dramatic Competition? Their first one up World here Cinema. is a movie I know we all have feelings about. It's called The Dog Who Wouldn't Be Quiet. It's an Argentinian oh film directed by Anna Katz uh, about Sebastian, a man in his oh. 30s who works a series of temp jobs as he embraces love at every opportunity. Art, I think you were the most recent one of us to watch this movie. <laughs> what did you think about it? <laughs> Um, so she said it was about her, uh, that's her brother in the movie. She said, uh, her brother is actually not an actor. And I went, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then it's also like, it stems from this idea of an, an image she had in her mind about what if people couldn't stand up past four feet. So he had to crawl. <laughs> that's it. I don't have, I don't have anything else to add. I, I, For me, Sorry, I was just gonna say for me it hit a moment 27 minutes in and I shut it yeah. off because I was just like I don't feel like being this way today so I yeah. left I, I liked Zach what's it about <laughs> I liked your comment that it's the shortest movie in the festival that somehow it also feels like a waste of time so, I there very are short. people who really like this one I have seen two mm-hmm. people on Twitter say this is their, their favorite movie at Sundance so don't let us I'll check it again tell you this yeah. is not yeah. worth of worth consideration. But I don't think it's worth consideration. <laughs> I just, I, it doesn't really amount to anything. There's random sequences where suddenly it's a cartoon for no reason. It, the whole ending just by kids flips the movie on its head. Like suddenly there's a deadly like pandemic or something happening. I didn't get it. Uh, maybe again, line. maybe I'm just not smart enough for some of these movies. But I didn't get it at all. I yeah, not 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 a standout for me. But we're going from one black and white Spanish movie to another black and white Spanish movie, El Planeta, written and directed by Amalia Ullman. Amidst the devastation of post-crisis Spain, a mother and daughter bluff and grift their way to keep off a lifestyle that they think they deserve, bonding over common tragedy and an impending eviction. This one stars not only Amalia, but her mother, as well as Nacho Vigolando, uh, which is an interesting uh, cameo, I guess, of sorts. So maybe not a cameo. Art, you caught this one earlier in the fest or before the fest even. What did you think? Look, this is why I love when PR teams do a great job and reach out to you because this was not at the top of my list. I was looking at everything else that was playing even in the world dramatic and I had this one way lower. Uh, I keep thinking about this one. I wanted to add the final line as this over here, but I, I can't spoil the final line. Final line is so badass. I loved it. The cinematography in this movie and what it's capturing as they go about their day uh, a mother and daughter who are just just trying to get by always just leaving everything on the on uh what's it called put it on my tab you know yeah type on. style yeah you know there is uh, there are elements of it where i don't, I don't want to say quirkiness because that's an overused word but it's like it does things that usually you know an editor would tell you never wipe because what do you get when you wipe yeah, crap. <laughs> but they play along with that. It is shot in black and white as well. It's got some sequences between characters where it's just like, it's meant to be super awkward. But at the end of it, I just kept thinking back and she hits you with something at the end that's completely different than what you've seen in the movie. And it has you rethinking the title, El Planeta, which is really just supposed to be a restaurant. And I want to say more about this, but I'm going to talk about it with you guys after the fact. I really like what the movie had to say. I thought it was just going to be a, a goofy little movie, and I ended up really liking what the movie had to say. Interesting. Amanda, I know you caught this one as well. 
Yeah, I it was another one that I caught before Sundance even started. And it, it, it does just kind of have moments where you think it's just going to be this like slice of life type thing. But then you'll get these certain moments and certain lines and certain the same thing happens to the daughter. And it's just like these little trends of things that happen. It's uh, there's like a, it's one of these things that there's like a lot more going on here than you might like initially think there is while it is just these two people kind of living their lives. But it's the way they're living their lives that mm-hmm. uh, that amplifies it for sure. Very cool. Yeah. Fire in the mm-hmm. Mountains, an Indian film directed by Ajit Pal Singh about a mother who toils away to save money to build a road in a Himalayan village to take her wheelchair bound son for physiotherapy. But her husband, who believes an expensive religious ritual is the remedy, steals her savings. Amanda, I know you caught this one as well. I, I thought this one was pretty interesting. It's obviously very beautiful taking place in these Indian, Indian mountains. A lot of the landscapes mm-hmm. are just absolutely gorgeous. And it's uh, got a fairly interesting story here, albeit I think some of the characters are ultimately a bit frustrating, either um, through some of their yeah. decision-making or just th- their lack of sense in certain moments. Uh, yeah. I, there's, That's the best part. There's a, there's a lot of... Uh, back and forths where I wasn't sure whether to find them whether to find them scary or humorous because it's kind of like the husband is a little bit of, of this meek like ineffable character like this guy who does not have much going for him but I kind of was charmed by by the whole construction and th- there's these little moments particularly with the kid that I, I found to be really interesting uh, Amanda what, what did you think about this yeah my review was children are a mistake, but so was this husband. <laughs> I think that's your review for Pink Cloud also. <laughs> it is. Um, she's right. Yeah. To a degree. I'm, I'm right. I just felt so frustrated for this poor yeah. woman. And I knew I was going to feel, based on the description of the movie, I knew I was going to feel frustrated for this poor mo- woman. But then I think the ending bothered me because I know they're going to go away being like the Jaguar (laughs) and I'm like no for the love of God this poor woman it is an interesting push and pull it Mm -hmm. is yeah it is it is a not a bad movie I know I'm like you know it's just it's it's frustration that's like intentionally supposed to be there Mm -hmm. um yeah uh, it was a it was a very well made movie, and that's like another theme I find of this festival is like women just trying to provide for their families and do their best, and the people around them just being like, "I'm gonna be a dick." <laughs> so like, yeah, um, that's definitely one of the uh, the through lines that I'm seeing here. But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed this. You know, I enjoyed this. I say as a as a family drama, it's it's trying to like evoke a lot of um, Asgar Fahadi. And the way that he has these little moments where he reveals little and little the more that the movie goes on. Because you have the mom who wants to help the kid yeah. by always taking him to the, to the to the doctor. Whereas the husband spends the entire movie saying, no, we have to do it the religious way. These shamans practically yeah. can can help out. Mm-hmm. And there's, then there's just something that happens halfway through the movie where I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And it's like, I, I feel like the ending... Um, you may guess where it's going, but again, I really like the push and pull that the family uh, was going through. Amanda is right. That is yet another through line as well with mm-hmm. these mothers trying to make it for their family and everybody yeah. else is is downplaying it as much as possible. As frustrating as some characters' decisions may get, I agree with you. I also found it like, uh, what? We're doing this now? Yeah. Yeah. So 
I would recommend it. I think uh, this is the same, not studio, but I know it's the same PR team who had done uh, Sir, which we covered on Netflix. So hopefully it doesn't get delayed damn near three years for it to come out. But we'll see. Yeah. I didn't think it was that bad. I really liked The Last Shot, but I also really wanted to like find out what happened immediately after The Last Shot. Yes. I like where they cut yeah. it. Man, I actually did oh, like where they cut it. it frustrates me. I was like this that, poor I know it woman. is frustrating. All right, so from one story about a woman trying to provide from her family and everybody around her being a dick to another hive, the Kosovo, Kosovoian, I don't, I don't even know, film written and directed by Bierta Bacholi uh, about uh, Farija's husband who has been missing since the war in Kosovo. Uh, she sets up her own small business to provide for her kids, but as she fights against a patriarchal society that does not support her, she faces a, cr- faces a crucial decision whether to wait for her husband's return or to continue to persevere. This one was the Grand Jury Prize winner from the World Dramatic ca- category. It was the Audience Award winner, and it also took home a directing prize uh, because Sundance does not ha- know how to spread the love around. Uh, but Art, I know. <laughs> Know that you thought this was one of the standouts from the category what did you think that was so great about hive it was my favorite for the longest time until we get to the one that we're going to talk about very soon it ended up being my number two it has not budged and then it got all that recognition and i was so damn excited i'm a big fan of just I'm, they're not even coming of age what's the new name for the movies that have adults making a whole new form of themselves because I the call story them post, revolves around... I call them post-adolescent coming-of-age stories. But this okay. one, I feel like this is the next level of that because post-adolescence is like the people in their 20s and 30s being like, oh my God, why isn't my life figured out yet? So this is that like next... That's, Even this that, is, yeah, because yeah, this is like it's the, all these women who have yeah. lost, you know, or lost. They have missing husbands, whatever it is, and now they have to find something yeah. to do on their own in a society that doesn't even want them to drive a damn car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I found the business aspect of it fascinating. The the family drama that she's going through as well with everybody, including her daughter and the in laws, doing the complete opposite to assist something that they all need help with, um, but. It, it's both encouraging and at the same time, like kind of a sad drama, uh, family drama that's going on. But mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought the filmmaking was done very well. Uh, I want to watch it again. Um, and I hope that it gets a pretty decent release because I know that this is something that they can really push for next year um, as a selection for Kosovo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting film. I found some of it to be a little bit flat, but. It still is a very interesting story. That's fair. Um, you know, mm-hmm. similarly to Fire in the Mountains, this movie does have some th- elements that are frustrating, but they're like intentionally frustrating. You know, like I, I was mm-hmm. obviously bothered by she's trying to drive a car and gets called a whore for that. And it's like, well, what do you yeah. want her to do? But like, you know, that's that's, that's how, how it is, is bro. His. You know, and then that like affects how the people in the community see her mm-hmm. and like how some uh-huh. people try to behave to her. Yep. It's and like, I didn't what? always agree with her. There are decisions she's trying to make that causes the daughter to be angry at her. Yeah. And again, I really like that dr- the drama that's happening at home while she's still mm-hmm. trying to run a business mm-hmm. and yeah. trying to make her own sales and all that. Uh, it, I, thought was a, I thought it was a really good it film. It did really make mm-hmm. me want some of that red rep, uh, red pepper spread, that aviar or whatever yeah, that, they call it. Yeah, aviar. Um, I might have to go make some. Yeah. 
Human Factors, the German-Italian crossover film written and directed by mm-hmm. Ronnie Trocker about a mysterious housebreaking that exposes the agony of an exemplary middle-class family. It's an interesting film uh, that kind of has this Rauschenmannic structure in that we get uh, different perspectives on this central break-in and in going from perspective to perspective, unco- uncover a new layer to this story it's got some force majeure qualities to it in its sort of examination uh, of the reactions to a traumatic event and how that sort of becomes the the catalyst for the unraveling of a relationship but i, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, as focused of a critique as uh, Force Majeure is i think it's a little bit more of a puzzle box movie it's really into that idea of like we've got some some hidden secrets or like twists that we're going to reveal and it does have a point where some of the things start to fall in place and it's really satisfying you know the way that uh, when a movie comes together in the right way I think Human Factors does have some of those elements I think I just wanted the story to to push these characters a little bit farther or have a little bit more to say about the fact that underneath this picturesque beautiful lifestyle this is a family that has some dysfunction too Uh, Art I know you did like this one quite a bit though my third favorite from the world dramatic section. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I like this more than everybody who I know that have seen it. Yes, it is not up there with force majeure. But damn me if this wasn't what I thought John in the Hole was at least going to try to tackle to yeah. some degree. It yeah. is an entire movie about a family that doesn't know how to communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because of that, and because they also... They have an element where they actually work for an ad agency and they're wondering if the incident that happened has something to do with that. Uh, And that causes, you know, arguments not only with uh, the couple themselves and then what's happening with the daughter, what's happening with the kid. I think the vantage points that they give you of dissecting the story from different perspectives was fascinating, including the extra ones that I hope people don't get it spoiled. They're already spoiling it all over the place. But I found, uh, like Zach said, for it to fall into place in a very interesting way. Mm -hmm. And... I really love the final shot. Like after seeing John in the Hole, I was like, yo, this is that energy that I thought I was going to give mm-hmm. us where we're going to be thinking about uh, they shot it that way for a specific we- reason. What, what What is the purpose of showing you uh, showing you that? I hope people get to watch this again, maybe have a different perspective on it. Maybe, maybe I'll change on it, but I really liked it my first time through. Um, and uh, I can't wait to revisit it. There was a lot that I'm still thinking about with certain decisions that were made. Same, like I saw it today and it's, it's definitely oh, one okay. I want to... I want to revisit. I, I do kind of agree with Zach that there might be some, not necessarily structure issues, but just ways that they could have gone deeper in certain areas. It's like they needed to spend so much time with the way that they set up the story that there wasn't necessarily time to go deeper in certain areas. Right. But I still found it really compelling. Uh, and there's all these little details that come back together. And it really does just come back to the fact that, like, you know, this is an issue with it, people don't, not knowing how to communicate. And then little things that get revealed that are being misinterpreted that cause more doubt and more insecurities and 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 breaks through that that shield that you just kind of have up to being like well it'll be okay this is just a rough patch uh and it's yeah. the little things that crack away um yeah i like that mm-hmm. yeah luzu from malta written and directed by alex camilleri is about yesmark a struggling fisherman on the island of malta who's forced to turn to the world of black market fishing to provide for his girlfriend and newborn baby. Amanda, I think you're the only one of us that caught this one. Uh, what did you... Oh, oh last night. we got, a, got a, last night. a late entry from Art. Glad I got to sneak it in. So, Art, yeah. uh, Sorry, Amanda, what did you think about Luzu? 
uh, watching this after Coda. That you get a you get a feel because it's the struggling fisherman and stuff. Another, you know? another parallel, exactly, exactly. Another one, it's, Zach. The, it's the changing world, the the landscape of, of things not being sustainable, but just in very different areas of the world, and the different ways that you'll try to deal with that. Overall, I liked this movie. Like, it's not one of the ones that's really necessarily standing out over the course of the entire like festival but it, it is just it's, it's not it's, uh, thematically it's also one of those ones of showing parents doing everything they can to provide for their families this time we're seeing it from the husband's perspective or you know the the father's perspective but you know in the background the, the mother's doing just as much you're just not following her and they're both doing their own different things to try to make this work and it, it ends up turning into this kind of like letting go of the old ways because this was his like great 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 like great grandfather's boat and then it was his you know grandfather's and it was his dad's now it's his and it's this the passing of time that and kind of uh learning to accept that things have to change when when there's things that you've known how to do your entire life and uh, you're just doing everything you can to, to make it by so overall i i liked it yeah there was a lot of elements at play the i know the director had said that he because he's from malta and that this is supposed to be one of the first maltese films <laughs> to a degree that he went over there befriended a lot of fishermen and then just got to working on this movie and i believe he even cast a lot of the fishermen to be in the film as well wow. uh, because it takes place in malta you kind of see this dynamic with some of the workers but even his wife the landscape over there, you know, some people are lighter skin, some people are darker skin. They yes. get into that element a little bit. Besides it also being a work struggle drama that's going on with fishing as well as the home dynamic that's going on because of uh, how they have to raise their child. I really enjoyed it. There was just two aspects of it. One, which was the ending. It's a little cliche. They give you a little story, but then I, it's like it's cliche, but it works. Mm. The only other part of it that I that I felt was... Um, a little bit too much was they they have a climate change story going on here but the way they present it i would have enjoyed if you haven't seen sea fever that presents it in a way where it's the backdrop to the story mm-hmm. here it's presented like climate change don't you read and i was like <laughs> what what <laughs> where did that come from what did what? yeah that's the only gripe i have towards this movie but i i did really enjoy uh seeing you know a person who this has been his entire life and now he's supposed to not do what he knows yeah. uh, anymore. And I think more people should catch it. I know that it gets, like Amanda said, it's a it's a really good movie that gets lost in like the shuffle of the 70-something movies that we had to watch. But yeah. I am glad that I caught it right at the end. Cool. Oh, yeah. One that definitely did not get lost in the shuffle was One for the Road, directed by Baz Poonpereya. Of course, this one was produced by Wong Kar Wai, which I think is why a lot of people had this film on their radars. It follows Boss, who's a consummate ladies' man and a free spirit and bar owner in New York City. One day, he gets a surprise phone call from Aoud, an estranged friend who has returned home to Thailand. Dying fencer Aoud enlists Boss's help to help him complete a bucket list of sorts, but both are hiding something. Uh, Amanda, this was one of the ones that we caught on day one of the festival. I think this is the one that yeah. you made special consideration to make sure you caught on day one of the festival. So what do you think about One for the Road? I really liked it. Like, we've talked about this a bit. I actually just officially bumped my my rating up to that four star just because yeah. I think when I finished nice. watching it, it was, like, right after Coda. And Coda is just, like, a very efficient movie. We'll talk about that in a bit. So this, because it's not as efficient, my brain was like... 
you know, I, I'm just going to let it sit with me and my rating might go up. And it has. This is something that uh, I'm looking back on very fondly. I'm very excited to catch again. But it does have this distinct shift in a moment where it starts feeling like a completely different movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like this might have benefited from the secondary aspect of this story being condensed in, in a certain area to really keep it tight. But it sticks the landing. And I can you can forgive a lot of stuff if it gets a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. messy. As long as something sticks the landing. This is this was one of the longer movies, which I'm assuming why it played uh, on the first day. Mm-hmm. It's about, it's like over two hours long. So that we're about two hours long. Yeah, it's around there. Um, yeah, that's why this one was kind of like hard to place in the schedule. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But uh, it's so good. It's like one of these um, kind of like a like a buddy journey that evolves into like a, a separate thing of uh, redemption and mm-hmm. grief and trying to make up for the mistakes you've you've made before it's kind of like too late type thing and then kind of learning to actually live your life mm-hmm. so yeah no i really liked it yeah i like it a lot fantastic melodrama it was mm-hmm. uh, yes there is like part two or the prequel whatever you <laughs> yeah. want to call it Richard that just Craig. got added on yeah. right towards the end but I like it. I think it worked. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. maybe it's not the way it should be done, but they did it. They got submitted. They got approved. We got to catch it. I really like the journey that we go on with these dudes. Uh, mm-hmm. And it kind of feeling like a reverse Scott Pilgrim, where instead of you <laughs> yeah. having to fight the exes, you're going to go to say goodbye to all of these exes yeah. and uh, the memories that they come with. And I really just enjoyed how he's almost reliving this with, he's almost reliving the what ifs with every yeah. single person being the person and the career that it could have been, the person and the the big wedding day that it could mm-hmm. have been or everything else that comes with it but at the heart of it it being this buddy road comedy dramedy um mm-hmm. that's going on it's an epic again it's an epic melodrama zach you caught it right at the yeah. end because it was able to snatch up an award. i snuck this one in i snuck it in a little bit after our seeing our buddy chase of the hanging with azarian podcast give this a five star on letterbox you know it's gotta be yeah. a good movie to give it that five star rating and i went in thinking like there's no way how how can this five-star movie be be hanging amongst uh, the fodder at Sundance <laughs> Film Festival and and not be the one that I immediately go to? And and then I was about an hour in, and I was like, I completely get it. I completely get why you would be blown away by this movie. It, it won mm-hmm. the Special Jury Award for Creative Vision, and I think you can tell uh, that this is a, vi- a movie with a lot of vision to it, not just in its visual style with these really bravura, cool shots. You know, uh, the, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen... Uh, the sequence of making a drink photographed more beautifully than in this film. Like this is a film that yeah. loves bartenders and the act of bartending, mm. but yeah, Love it's it. got, and the narrative with that absolutely beautiful it ends in a beautiful place. But yeah, through that first hour of the movie, it's got this really cool thing where it's running through these past romances. It's almost got like a slumdog millionaire vibe in that. It's like it, this is how the past informed the present and affected the future. And you got to, mm-hmm. it, it yep. your past is carrying you through to now. And I loved how it all came together like that. I loved its stylistic flares. Uh, you know, there's a moment where with a gunshot uh, that hopefully you guys remember where it's just like this cool little dramatic yeah. touch that gives you a little bit of insight on the characters. Uh, then, as Amanda, it does get a little bit more bogged down. It, it, I think that nonlinear structure that it has where it goes from past to present to past to present um, does sort of get um, it confused in all of it. It's, it feels mm-hmm. a little jumbled. But not boring. 
Not boring. It never becomes no. boring, but I think it loses the narrative thread a little bit. Um, and then it picks it back up. But yeah, that there's just a whole chunk in the middle where it slows down and it becomes a little bit more melancholic and, and maybe not as much of a joy as the rest of this movie was. But it's still one of my standouts from the festival. Definitely my top five from the festival. Um, so I, I like this one a lot. The drinks or the mixtapes? Which was better? But it's, it's all these like... Awesome uh, aesthetics, right? Like these are just yeah, things that we love to celebrate. Right? In movies. Yeah, I loved it a lot. That's yeah. why I got the award. Oh, that mirror shot. Oh, there's oh. a mirror shot. Ooh, yeah, there's some very some good. amazing, amazing shots in this movie, and some yeah. great, great acting too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's move on. Amanda, yeah, let's move on to a divisive one here <laughs> with the Brazilian feature, The Pink Cloud. <laughs> written and directed Sorry. by Yuli Ger- Gerbeis. It's about a mysterious and deadly pink cloud that appears across the globe, forcing everybody to stay at home. Strangers at the outset, Giovanna and Iago try to invent themselves as a couple av- after years of shared lockdown pass. You know, it's a movie that starts out with these uh, essentially like a one night stand, uh, but these two people are forced into a long term relationship because uh, everybody's forced to stay at home. The big talking point of this movie is obviously it feels so much like coronavirus stuff, right? Like everybody's used to lockdowns now. Was this movie inspired by COVID? No, it was somehow made before it. And yet it has all these weird similarities to what our lives are like now, what the issues of our life are like now, uh, in a way that gives it this eerie resonance, though not necessarily one that we all appreciated, Amanda. Yeah. Um, Yeah, go ahead. This this movie made me dread existence. It was just one of those things. Like, I am trying to imagine myself in this woman's position, and everything that is happening is just so horrendous because, like, her sister is stuck at, like, a birthday party for seven years. Like, it's just... I can't. And then there's stuff going on there that is just, like, you could have, like... A sequel where there's the horror movie going over there and then you have the friend who's completely isolated mm-hmm. and then my thing is that I hate it and I'm, I will try not to spoil but there are things that when when somebody and this is an issue that this is I'm not even trying to get on my a feminist mantle here <laughs> but women will often say things like I don't want kids I don't want kids mm-hmm. I don't want this for my life there's things I don't want for my life and then the guy's like oh you get over it your biological clock it's gonna be fine it's selfish not to have kids and it's just like I don't know it pisses me off it just pisses me yeah. off and like I want it to slap this man <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's just like when it was done, it's it, it maybe it is just a little bit too resonant with what we're going through right now. And it just I get what it's going for. I actually appreciate what it's going for. I appreciate what it's going for in terms of like uh, establishing uh, connections and isolation and like what matters and like what living really means and all that. Like I, I appreciate what it's going for, but it just I did not need to dread my life <laughs> after yeah. watching movies. So everything yeah. Amanda said. But in is positive. why we like that yeah, so much. Exactly. That's why you guys liked it. But the for me, wor- I was just like, nah. No, but it's literally yeah. everything that you're mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. is yeah. exactly why. And and I and I feel you. I have so many movies where it's like, uh, like mass, right? It's like I wanted to bump it half a star because I hated that dude so much. <laughs> but it worked. I mean, that's that's the point. I get it um, of what it was trying to do. Yeah. No, but I feel you. I, I think this would have benefited so much more if it did it. If it, dude, if they finished this in time to have been released last year in 2020. Yeah. I, It'd be like a I contagion think people thing. Would, 
people would have yeah. been giving it an extra half a star. But yeah. I 100% get how nobody wants to be dealing with <laughs> a movie yeah. that mm-hmm. feels like COVID while we're in, you know, still You feel being like quarantined. this would have uh, yeah. benefited from the contagion effect. Yeah, absolutely. 3,000%. Yes. I think this would have been so much better if this was something we were looking back on and not something that was all like, well, th- I don't like this at all. <laughs> like, yeah. this is- and I will say this. There are some, what I, I don't want to call them inconsistencies, but just questions now that we are definitely in, you know, quarantining mm-hmm. periods where we're like, um, yeah, I feel we like know, they would have like, been able uh, to do some yeah. things. Yeah, some things here and there. There are certain narrative things where I was like, are we just not getting this done in order to continue it, it being this? Yeah, obviously. But yeah. The setting that they chose about this idea of being trapped in with somebody, it's almost like a microcosm of what you were saying, yeah. this feminist tale about why are you allowed to do the things that you want to do without everybody telling you it's got to be this, it's got to be that. Yeah. And this was a contained way of being able to showcase it to you, how this has become the new world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you can show it in this little pocket with no external things, it showcases that what she said she wanted was what she wanted, regardless of what anybody else said. No, but you don't know. No, now you she do. did. Yeah. Now she knows. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really liked the imagery, yeah. especially with the ending. Yeah. Um, we were talking yeah. about yeah. what was what was the one that we just said where everyone was wearing the helmets. Oh, a uh, dog um, wouldn't be quiet. the dog one. Yeah, that one be quiet. This one was very interesting with the pink cloud side yeah. of it. Again, some, I, I don't want to call them inconsistencies, but I wish that they answered a little bit more of uh, what how the world <laughs> how? worked. Yeah. But I did like it from that perspective because Lena's very much up there with you. And that was what she was resonating while you were saying, see, Alina was also going, see, see? yeah, <laughs> yeah, to the screen. Yeah, that's what happened. And I totally yeah. get the, get that perspective and, and see it like it's totally valid if that's the reason that uh, you push back against this film. Ultimately, I think that and the rest of this movie is a lot about how humans adapt how we are forced to yeah. adapt how sometimes Absolutely. we, we push we against adapt, adaptation and i think it's a really fascinating experiment in in that idea like what what can we get used to what will what will we refuse to get used to i like that I i'm very curious it. to see what, what more people just... say about this one right here yeah. Dude, Alina has it as her number two. Like, Ooh. I don't have it that high. Uh, she got it as her number two. I was like, all right, I it's get like, it. It's like when I talk about it, I appreciate it. But while I was watching it, I was angry. So it's just <laughs> one of those fair. things. Yeah. And I'm sure, uh, I don't know how it's going to get released, but I would love to have a spoiler discussion. Yeah, I would love to have a spoiler. Because there's down. even some funny stuff that happens with the couple. Because again, it's at its oh premise, it is, it is two people yeah. in a one night stand who end up trapped for... I don't even want to say how long, but yeah, yeah, I found that really interesting. Um, And I'm curious to see how how people take it. All right, let's get to Pleasure, the film written and directed by Ninja Thyberg about a 20-year-old girl who moves from her small town in Sweden to L.A. for a shot at a career in the adult film industry. Yes, it's set in the world of porn, but this is an extremely daring film. Obviously, it creates an unflinching portrait of what sex work work is like by way of this young woman who gets sucked into and corrupted by this patriarchal industry. It is a great debut, not just for its director, Thyberg, but for the star, Sophia Koppel, who plays a character selling off different pieces of her soul in in exchange for success. She navigates Mm -hmm. deeply discomforting material with shocking authenticity. It's such a smartly observed and nuanced process movie. And it also has this awesome, fun, scandalous element to watch because it's this demystification of of this Mm -hmm. scandalous industry in porn. 
it mm-hmm. reminded me of the wrestler in how <laughs> yeah. it, it's kind of like it breaks down the choreography and it shows you the conventions and it's like these are these these people that are these characters right because like you have you have a poor name right you don't use your real name it it shows you how the character gets made and i just yeah. i dug a lot of those aspects to this movie in way in ways that i was not expecting for the porn movie from this festival amanda <laughs> yeah. tell me what you liked about pleasure a movie I, that I made you sick within 10 minutes <laughs> yeah to be fair it was actually only one scene yes there are a lot of other uncomfortable scenes that happen in this yes. that are disturbing Warning. but that's the thing I want to start this off this is a warning if you are uh, sensitive to any kind of like sexual violence sexual assault anything like that this is not the movie for you don't try it Um, that's just a warning but uh, it is really it it does just kind of pull the curtain back on on what this industry really is and the horrors that happen it only scratches the surface what I really personally loved was it it very clearly showed you the difference between different porn sets as well so she has a moment where she's trying to figure out how to stand out and she ends up doing kind of like one of the more risque ones where you're kind of like suspended from a ceiling type thing Um, so it's like the rougher side of the porn industry and it's a Bit, it's like one of it's like an like, iconic porn director. She's a woman. There's a whole production crew there. Mm-hmm. Women in there. They're very very um, cautious. Yeah. They have people on set specifically to make sure everything's okay. So she's like, okay, I can I can handle more of this. This is great. So she starts trying to book more specifically, telling her her manager like you can anything. Mm-hmm. And then it shows you the very different way that can go when you're in a house with one guy with a camera and the two guys right. that you have to deal with for the scene and how it's a very different experience yeah. and how horrific that it is. It gives you a glimpse at very different sides of the industry. And obviously it's an mm-hmm. industry that's been uh, criticized for some of its more seedier elements. But, you know, I think what's cool is that you do get that contrast. You do get the, the more professional setups and then you do get the more uh, stripped down setups and you mm-hmm. see some of the sacrifices that come with that and also some of the blind spots that me, pro- probably particularly men seem to have in these situations. Yeah. I think it, it's amazing in how it's able to to kind of give you those portrayals. It's also a short. Yeah, it was a short first. Yeah, so they, they the one of the bigger scenes in this movie was the premise of the short. Right. Um, before she ended, I think it was like... F- five six years ago 2015 maybe that she that she did mm-hmm. the short so it's been a while that it's but i think they've been working on this for a bit i was looking up the main actress and it looked like she was doing some some sex work or just at least 18 plus content but it was just shots and stills from this movie so i think they've been working on it for for a little while mm-hmm. here so i thought that was kind of kind of cool i kind of saw it is it, it premiered in the midnight category as being not a midnight movie but at the same time it's probably the most horrific movie in that category right uh, in terms of what it deals with but there's also a lot of heart in this there's mm-hmm. some like nice moments there's some good moments but it really is just showing you like the things that she's aspiring to be versus what happens when you actually get there and how it can change you and uh, how you sacrifice pieces of yourself so i thought they did an incredible job with this art any other mm-hmm. things uh, again, just reiterating the warning. Yeah. yeah, I think this is the best out of the world dramatic. Absolutely. I think this is actually my top five. Same. Yeah. The performances yeah. all around were great. It's just mm-hmm. you need the biggest concept warning for something like this because yeah. of how traumatizing yeah. it is. That- and the craziest part is 
they have imagery, obviously. They, yep. they do not shy away from that. This is they everything don't. Mope from a couple years ago thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, absolutely it is. Yeah. But it's the conversations yeah. that are being had yeah. that are like nastier than what you're seeing. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's the way that they try to slickly try to uh, convince you into something or that yeah. uh, how it seems like okay come on it's okay and, right yeah so you're they're like saying okay well, yes they're being, for you yeah they're being really sensitive and kind so you're like okay maybe this is okay but then the second you're like then the put the real pushback starts mm-hmm. so yeah and it's one of those where it gets so into it but that's what makes it so effective but it's mm-hmm. so effective again warning that's not gonna be for everybody yeah. but they did yeah. that. They did it. And, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of explicit material in this movie, but at the same time, I do think the movie is a little less yeah. horny than I anticipated it being, just because it is in yeah. that midnight <laughs> slot. Like it, it, it's not really glamorous in that aspect. It is sort of yeah. like a behind the scenes more. Yeah. Um, three six five, three hundred sixty five days feels more like a porno than this did. So Fair. just to put that out there. Primetime, the last one in the World Dramatic Competition. I think this is one that we were all extremely excited about before the festival started. It's from Poland, from director Jakub Piatek, uh, about the last day of 1999, where a 20-year-old locks himself in a TV studio and takes two hostages and a gun uh, with with a gun and says he has an important message for the world. It has this killer premise and begins really good premise as a really exciting thriller where you're questioning how how is he going to get away with this what is he trying to do what is the whole purpose behind this thing and to me i was kind of feeling like from the beginning of this movie almost like john q in that it, it, <laughs> like he takes these hostages but ultimately you're on his side and and then yeah. the mm-hmm. the film kind of peters out a little bit it sort of fizzles and, and yeah. loses steam yeah. as it kind of talks around its message without ever really talking about its message and that was yep. a little bit disappointing that, to, to me uh, I really liked that central performance from Bartosz Bielenia uh, a lot of people have been talking about yeah. you know th- this guy is fluent in English he's going to be a James Bond villain in, in like five years or something like <laughs> I that I can see it yeah um, but he's so good in this movie that the whole movie almost is good yeah almost I, I agree if it wasn't him <laughs> This movie, I would have, I would have given it a lower rating. I, I gave it a three, and it could have been like it started on track to be a four. It's st- it was it, it was on its way, and then like you say, it just peters out, and mm-hmm. it's almost like they went with the premise and then didn't know what they wanted to say, and then we're like, it would totally just be way cooler if we didn't say anything, you know, and let the yeah. people think. And it bothers me. They give you little hints of what it might have been. There's two different instances where there's like little leads where it might be what he was going to talk about. But then you don't actually know. And it never goes into either of those two things. Um, But again, his performance drives this. It's so good. Mm -hmm. And it is. It's a bottle film because it's all taking place for the most part right there within that building, Mm -hmm. specifically within that stage. And I don't think at any point it's boring. This is one that I would definitely recommend if theaters were open. We'd be catching this in theaters. The the saddest part about it is, again, and he even said when hosting it, he was like he wanted to subvert the medium being the message and how and you see it early on the ineptitude that so many people have. You see that from yeah. the beginning when dealing with the host of yeah. the show compared to the security guard and how they're both treated within the story. Mm-hmm. You just want to remember it more afterwards. It's a yeah. great watch. It is. I recommend I people it. watch it. I just wish there was more to remember after the fact. But he wants you to do a lot more digging than I think we should for a movie mm-hmm. that feels like. Could have to- not not just straight up explained it to you, no. 
but at least giving you, you like gotta a do couple more, more digging. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish it wasn't so hidden in there, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't wait to catch this again to see what else uh, we yeah. could find on a rewatch, knowing a little bit more of what they revealed to you. Yeah, yeah. I'm and it's made it's made competently enough that I think the director is potentially going to be an interesting director in the future. I just think there's just not enough there yeah. there in prime time. Mm-hmm. Already got an interesting actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, exactly. bitch, Crispy. <laughs> yeah.